0: look at you this morning as david says give us an undivided heart that we may fear your name for you are worthy lord jesus of an undivided heart so we ask that you by the work of your spirit would take distractions from us agendas from us everything from us that would hinder us from seeing the glory and beauty of who you are this morning in your word Lord, we're here to offer everything to you. It's what you have asked of us because you have offered everything first for us to make us your own. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts this morning through the word that you breathed in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. It's good to be with you. Everyone doing well? Fully caffeinated at this point? 10 o'clock in the morning you should be at this point uh we mentioned last week that we're we kind of start to call this time of year uh the season of stewardship and we're thinking about things like uh how much to give how much do i pledge for next year uh to the church or to charities i'm involved with and so the sermon is like a little bit about thinking through what to give but more important what i want to focus on is really what it means to give And the sermon title today is Offering Everything. How many of you know that we are called to offer Jesus everything? Like not holding anything back. It's really easy to do that, right? Yeah, right. So I'll just say amen and sit down. But I believe the Lord has a word for us today. I'm going to look at Mark chapter 12 and the, and the thing. If I could get one of the ushers to do me a quick favor and go in that flower room and go press silence on that red firebox is a little high-pitched beeping. Our pesky little alarm system at it again. Anyway, let's, let's give our attention to the Lord this morning. Let's jump right into Mark chapter 12. We see uh, that Jesus is... Sitting down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watching a crowd putting in money into this box. So we think that this is probably something called a collecting chest in the court of women. That was a part of the temple where women were allowed. Remember, this is a patriarchal society. Now you you there were other parts of the temple, but this was one of those parts where the public could see and had access to it. Women could come in, Gentiles could h- hang around. So some Bible scholars think maybe it was somewhat of a tourist attraction. And so there would be the temptation if you're a pill Pilgrim in Jerusalem to kind of give out of your wealth as people are watching and visible and all of that. So there's some of that going on there. So kind of take yourself to that world in your imagination and think about there's this trap of people coming and putting offerings out of their wealth into the box. Um, Now, it's interesting. It says that Jesus was watching. Jesus is watching not so much how much we give, but he's watching how we give. Because he's, he's so much con- more concerned with the state of our hearts than what kind of amount of money or skill or talent we can produce. He's concerned with obedient and surrendered hearts. So he's not interested in how much so much as he is interested in simply how. Okay, So he's watching closely, and then it says this, Calling his disciple or it says, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. So a poor widow in the ancient Near Eastern, the the world of Palestine was somebody who was kind of a nobody in society. They were often they didn't have family to take care of them. Many times they had very few resources, very few resources. And this little uh, poor widow comes, and she gives, it as two very small copper coins. In Greek, uh, the the coin is called a lepton, is what it would have been called, and it was uh, no more than a centimeter in diameter. So we're talking about a very, very lightweight, light as a feather kind of tiny little coins that had very little pennies. Val- okay. It's the smallest denomination in in Greco-Roman currency, in Roman currency back then. It was the smallest amount you could give. So think there's lots of wealth and big, big bucks going in. And then there's this tiny little smallest denomination of 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 no significance when it comes to money. And here's what Jesus does watching everything that's happening. It says he called his disciples, calling his disciples to him. So he's saying, come here, guys, I've got something to important you. There's intentionality behind this. He says, I want you to come over here. I've got something extremely important. I don't want you to miss this. I want to get this into the depths of your heart. I want to point something out to you. And then to emphasize that even more, he uses a phrase, truly I tell you, which is like a way of saying you really, really, really need to pay attention to what I'm going to say because this is very important to me. So how we give is extremely important to Jesus. Where our hearts are is always extremely important to Jesus, included in how we give. So he calls them over. And he tells them, he makes this contrast, and he says, this poor widow, there's all these people giving out of their wealth, they had an abundance to give, it did not hurt them at all. It did not pinch or hamper them to put in all of their thousands of dollars in the plate. But this poor widow, let I want to show you the contrast, she gave. She gave more into the treasury. Now, how can this be, right? Some of his, you know, you know that Peter was saying something, Lord, I think that you've got this wrong. You know, Peter opened his big mouth at this point and corrected the Lord. Lord, she gave, she gave a lepton. Lord, really? And Jesus, so, so what, what, how can this be? Because the monetary value of her gift was negligible. So what is Jesus getting at? Is he recognizes Looking at her heart, looking at her situation, that devotion to giving that little penny came at great personal cost. Everybody say personal cost. Personal cost. It came at great personal cost. And Jesus is saying, this is what I want you to see. If you're going to be my followers, this is what I want you to see in the heart of this woman when it comes to giving. It comes at personal cost. Giving comes at personal cost. So what Jesus is telling us in this story, this little small vignette in Mark's gospel, is, is, is that I'm less concerned of the amount, about the amount of the gift and more concerned with the dedication of the giver. There's a spiritual state that when people give, when my people give, there's a, there's a spiritual state that I want them to enter in, one of humility, lowliness, and surrender, that they're willing to give Everything. Now, it does pertain to money, but I want to think wider than that, okay? We're going to think a little bit about both, okay? Because it's true that at the same time, that the amount we give, whether it's money to charity or whether it's our time in prayer to God, whether it's our service to others, all of that, the amount, really it can speak volumes about where our hearts are with God. Okay, So there can be, there can while God's primary concern is not with how much you're able to give, It is your willingness to give in a sacrificial and surrendered way. Tracking with me so far? Okay, moving on. Now, I want to talk about the word, this phrase for a minute, where he says, she, they gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. What does it mean to give out of poverty? Because this is what grabbed Jesus' attention, that somebody gave out of poverty, not out of wealth. They gave out of what they didn't have, not what they did have. They gave in a way that made them uncomfortable and pinched and hampered their lifestyle, not in a way that kept everything else in order and pleasurable and comfortable in their life. That's what grabbed Jesus' attention was the nature of the giving that it was given out of poverty. Now, it's very possible that in the first century in Palestine, that giving for a widow would mean that she would not know where her next meal is going to come from. This is a truly sacrificial giving. This is why Jesus said she gave everything all she had to live on. She she she, did, she didn't know where her next meal is going to come from. But the point is that there was something in her heart that saw the great value of giving sacrificially giving everything to God. She must have known God's good character and his faithfulness. She must have been in love with the Lord, her God, to be able to give this much. She trusted that God sees everything and that she in somehow she knew the 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 blessing of radical obedience and surrender. That's what Jesus is paying attention to. When he looks at our hearts when we give. So I want to talk for a minute about giving out of poverty because to give out of poverty, it's to give in such a way that we actually become forced to become more dependent on God for pleasure and satisfaction and sustenance. Do you know that Christianity is largely about enjoying the Lord our God? Trusting in him, walking in intimacy with him, knowing the intimacy of his spirit. You want to know a fast track to intimacy with God? Offer him everything. It's the hardest thing to do that leads to the greatest wealth of joy and pleasure in his presence. It's what it means to give out of poverty. It's a giving, we might say, that we feel. Giving that we feel. So it's not the amount of your offering or even the nobility of a deed of service that makes us more like Jesus. It's the pinch and the pain of giving in such a way that we have to become radically dependent on and intimate with our God. So some some people suffer from guilt and shame in, in the body of Christ because they're not able to give what they would like to give. But they actually give in a way that does hinder some of their own personal pleasures and comforts, but they suffer guilt and shame. And if that's you, you need to rebuke the voice, a voice of the enemy today and know that Jesus loves you and he sees your heart. And he will reward you. Amen. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. OK, this is not about condemnation. This is about growing more deeply into a life of sacrifice and surrendering everything to God, our father. So let me give you some examples of what maybe it looks like to, to, to give this kind of giving. It's it's when I don't have time to pray and that I pray anyway and I trust the Holy Spirit to let the rest of the details of my day fall into place. That you feel that, don't you? You feel the anxiety of not having control of your day when you set apart extra time to be with God in prayer. It's, It's when I don't have extra money, but I commit anyway to meeting someone else who I know is in need and trusting that I have a good Heavenly Father who will provide for me when my time of need comes. We feel that. It's when I don't feel like I have the boldness to share the gospel to this person that I'm having small talk about the weather with in line at Chipotle, and yet I do anyway because I know that the Spirit's power is resting on me and in me and will communicate the gospel and get it planted in that person's heart. And the personal cost is my pride. Okay? So there's all kinds of ways in which we can give. It's when I determine to foster a child who needs a home, even though I don't know where all the resources are going to come from for me to take care of them where my energy is going to come from, where the money is going to come from. It's those kinds of sacrifices, those things that we feel, that they, we could say they pain us, in a sense, those are the offerings that come out of poverty and produce the kind of transformation that looks us look more and more like Jesus. So... Let me let me just give a little illustration. I think this would be helpful. I think you get my point. I'm beating a dead horse. I know, but it's a horse, a dead horse worth beating. I was I started a gym membership <clears throat> uh, several months ago, and I r- realized something. I was doing my osteopath because of my back pain. Said to to work on um, those leg presses, so those things where you hook the weights in, you can pick your size, and you push your legs out while you're sitting down. And so I would start with a certain amount of pounds, of which I won't, uh, I don't, I don't want to brag. So I won't tell you how many 30, I mean, I don't, I won't tell you how many pounds that I start with, but you know, and I would do 10 leg presses. Okay. And I would feel it the next day, but you realize that when you do that, if six weeks later and you go into the gym a couple times a week, six weeks later, all you're doing is 10 leg presses with the same amount of weight. There's not a whole lot of transformation going on in your body. Is there because you're staying comfortable <laughs> you have a manageable weight, It's the same with our spiritual lives. Comfort is the death of spiritual growth. An addiction to comfort is the death of growing into the image of Jesus. I know that's hard to hear. It's hard for me to hear. But the, the, the paradox of it is that when you give up earthly pleasures and comforts in a, in, in, in a sacrificial way, you gain a real, heavenly, eternal comfort from Him. A peace that is, surpasses understanding and a knowledge that you have a Father who sees everything and every act of giving in your life and will reward it abundantly. You see the paradox of it? But it's that in that initial groaning and making, putting more weights on that thing and doing 12, 15, 20, where the growth and the transformation happens. And some Christians have become so stuck in their Christian lives, stagnant. They get into their routine, and there's some growth there, and you got your devotional life, and and it looks like this, but then, and God's doing something in you, but then you notice, like, I don't know, I'm just feeling dry. And what happens is we can sometimes get stuck there for years and years. And it's because what happens is, is that we become content, even though there's a little bit of restlessness in our hearts about our relationship with the Lord. And sometimes we think, man, what I need to do is get a more inspiring book. I need to get another copy of Jesus Calling that will make me feel more inspired and good about what Jesus thinks about me. And sometimes what we just need to do is say, Lord, search my heart. Where am I not surrendered to you? That's where the transformation comes. Okay? I'm not against Jesus Calling or anything. That's just a, an example. Sometimes we, 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 we look for everything to make us feel more comfortable about our dangerous comfort and the lord wants us to be uncomfortable so that we get closer to him you see what i'm saying okay it's about intimacy with the lord jesus everything is about looking at him and being close with him that's what all of this is about this is not a do more try harder sermon it's get closer it's a get closer sermon to the one who loves you and gave everything for you um this is actually about coming into our destiny now, people throw that word around and they weird it, use it in weird ways. But the Bible actually says this. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So your destiny is to be conformed to Jesus And to look more and more like him in your Christian life, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3 that you know how that happens. He calls it increasing from glory to glory. He says it happens when you contemplate the Lord's glory. So if you want to grow in your spiritual life and become a person of more sacrificial giving and offering yourself, your time, your ear to people who need it, you want to become more bold in sharing the gospel, then gaze at Jesus. I love this phrase, I stole it from someone else, but he said, Christianity is not, about, is not so much about behaving as it is beholding. Because all the behavior stuff falls into place when you're gazing at the one who lived a perfect life on your behalf. And what happens is that as we learn, and we're all on this journey together trying to learn, what does it look like, what, is the, what are the sacrifices that God is calling me to in this season, today, and as we learn and we grow into that, what's happening is that our union with Jesus is deepening and deepening and deepening. And our friendship with him and our ability to hear his voice and our ability to get used to obeying the nudges of his Holy Spirit when he prompts us is growing deeper and deeper and deeper in the joy in our hearts. Though it may be our material possessions and our comforts and our entertainments and our vacations and all that aren't as much as they used to be, but there's a deep and indwelling joy that will last forever for all of eternity because I'm honoring my Father. I'm being like Jesus who said, I only do what I see the Father doing and was in perfect alignment with the Father. The reason that our relationship with Jesus deepens in this way is because we are living, we are allowing his life to flow through us. I want to talk for a minute. I know I want to really focus everything in on our Savior right now. So everything I said, it's kind of sort of instructive and exemplary and all that kind of stuff. I want us to really look at Jesus right now, okay? So use the eyes of faith, and I want you to look at Jesus. And I want to read you something. Because every time that you bear a cross, or you make a sacrifice, or you say, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get closer to him, I'm going to live a life and give you everything, God, you're walking close with a Savior and a friend who loves you and gave everything for you. He lives for union, us here's what Paul said about Jesus notice pay attention to the wording in this passage this is from 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 Paul is talking to a church and he's I- encouraging them to give generously in their offerings because there's some other churches that need help and he says this I'm not commanding you but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others Eyes on Jesus. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich. Yet for your sake. He became poor. So that you. Through his poverty. Might become rich. Paul says. I want my people to to give sacrificially. Sacrificially. So that they know this intimacy, but here's what you have to do to do that. Look at him. Look at what he did for you. Look at what he bore for you when he carried the cross, when he was beaten and tortured, and blood dripped from his crown of thorns, and he took gasping last breaths until he gave up his final breath. For you, he became poor, he lost his life, he gave out of his poverty. So that we might become rich. That we might become rich. That we might have an eternal inheritance in the heavens. We are seated with him in heavenly places because he gave out of his poverty. You're forgiven of all your sin. Your slate has been wiped clean. You have become the dwelling place of God. You, God looks at you and he sees a friend because he gave out of his poverty. And the scriptures say the way to live is like that. Give out of your poverty. So the question is, when we think about all of this, when we see Jesus dying for us and saying, I won't hold back anything. I will not hold back anything to get a hold of you because I love you so much. When we look at that, we have to ask the question, are we confident in the gospel? This is what this comes down to. Are we confident in Jesus and in the good news that he died to save sinners, to give us an eternal inheritance in the heavens. That has everything to do with how we give. That you know with confidence that you're loved and forgiven by a father who will always take care of you. Because if you know that with confidence, you can give freely. Your time, your energy, your money, it's nothing to you because you know him. I want to close and just uh, mention a a figure from Christian history for a minute. But I want to ask you a question. When you look at the world and you turn the news on, um, if you can find real news anymore, um, but when you look at the world, do you not see Christian believer, daughter, son of God, do you not see a desperate need for revival in the world? If you don't see it, there's blinders on your eyes. If you're not stirred in your heart towards that, there's some kind of stagnancy that you need to deal with. And I'm not being mean. I'm saying it's in all of us at some level, there's things in us and we need to see with the mind of Christ and think with the mind of Christ when we see this world. And we need to see not what the world does not need is a greater political program or a new leader or whatever, whatever, whatever. We need revival. We need the Spirit of God to come in such power that, that we are so filled up and overflowing with rivers of living water that when we walk into the store and we walk into the lof- local coffee shop, people fall on their knees and start repenting because the presence of God is so strong on us. That's what we need. And there was a person in the early, 19, or in the early 20th century named Reese Howells in the land of Wales who was used in exactly this way. Reese Howells was a young uh, coal miner who the Lord called into a deep life of intercessory prayer. That's really what it comes down to, is he yielded himself and he gave his time and he fasted and he gave himself to God in prayer. And he was humble, and God, but God had to deal with him in many ways until he got him to where he was used for so much, in such a powerful way by God, that he literally would walk into certain places and, and people would repent and give their lives to Jesus without even anything else happening. He used him for divine healing, for the healing of the sick in extraordinary ways. But I want to tell you just a quick story to close with about Reese Howells. There was a day when he was growing in his faith and his walk with the Lord, and he, was, he, he knew the Lord and had intimacy with the Lord, but the Holy Spirit spoke to him and he said, Reese, I want you to be willing to um, surrender all of your income to me. That means all of your possessions that you, and, and he's like, of course, Lord, of course, and he says, no, you don't get it. You, I mean, you don't even get to give any of it away without me, me, me asking you to. And he struggled with this decision, and he wrestled with it in his mind and in his heart. What does this mean? And the Lord was giving, he was giving him an option. But he was saying, this is what I want from you. The Holy Spirit said, this is what I want from you, to be willing for me to, 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 to control all of your, your finances, even though they're not a lot. And he finally came to the point where he said, yes. And this I want to just read you something from his uh, a biography that someone wrote about him. So he surrendered it to the Lord. Painful. That's a sacrifice that you feel when you say, Lord, you can have every penny and I will do only as you direct me to do with it. I won't spend it on comforts and luxuries and pleasures for myself. I will do only as you direct me to do with it. So it says this. As he walked on the way, the enemy whispered, Do you know what you have done? You're worse off than a man in Swansea jail. He gets a little which he can spend when he comes out, but you will never have a penny. Yes, answered Reese, but remember this, I did it by choice. The moment he said that, it seemed as if the whole heavens were illuminated and the Holy Spirit said to him, let me tell you what you have done tonight tonight. I have grafted you into the vine, and all the sap can flow through you. You are a branch in the Savior. The branch gets nothing. It is the needy that get the fruit. But after tonight, from this place of abiding, whatever the Father wants to pour out to the world through you, He can do so. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. offering everything, the joy of offering everything. Sometimes we stand in church and we sing, I surrender to Jesus, I surrender, and we have no intention of actually being totally surrendered. What would it look like for us to come to the feet of Jesus and say, yes? What is he calling you to? What is he calling me to? What is he calling us to as his body in the year 2022? What does it look like to offer everything to reach the world that is so desperately in need of the gospel that men, women, and children would repent of their sins and come into the kingdom and be embraced by the Father who cares for them and loves them so much that he would send us out living sacrifices to bring them in. Lord, I thank you that there is joy in giving and that all of us, Lord, in some way, in our lives, in our spirits, in the depths of our heart, we know we are all wrestling with things. There are things, Lord, that in your love you desire to strip us of and to burn the dross away from us so that we are pure and holy, that we are yielded vessels. For Jesus, we know, we know that you were yielded that you gave the Father your yes and you offered everything for us. So Lord, we thank you that what we offer does not determine our salvation, but what you offered is our salvation. And now as we think about what our lives look like, these few short years we have that are but a mist to offer everything to you, We ask you to show us those places where you're looking at us and you're saying, oh, you're missing out on the intimacy and the joy that I want to have with you because you resist. Teach us, Lord. Thank you for your patience and your grace with us. But, Lord, we say yes. We say yes in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand this morning.